G'day everybody, thanks for tuning in. In the early 1990s, I recruited a young Kent pal and I apologise to all those in the timber industry on the back of what I might have started. Kent's a special guy. We had a great conversation about 18 months ago when we, when we recorded this podcast and I was listening to it over the weekend and I thought it'd be worthwhile just sharing it back out there. Kent has a really good view on how to solve a problem a customer doesn't even know they have. He takes his team and himself to places beyond the invoice to get to know customers at a very, very personal level. We have a bit of a conversation about the balancing of luck and resilience and a couple of insights from one of the best about the efforts that one should go to when trying to get the right people in your sales team. I hope you enjoy this rebroadcast. I certainly did listening to it myself. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Sales Stories, Raw and Real is a podcast series designed to help people in business development, whatever their level, by learning from the experiences of others. We'll be talking about the salespeople they've met, led and worked with and share their insights into what we need to do more of and less of. You'll hear the very best and worst of people's experiences to help you recognize the traps that we've all fallen into, get through them and out the other side, having learned what you needed to along the way. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We've spoken to contractors who have spent millions of dollars in building projects on what they might like to see and hear from us as we approach them. We've spoken to consultants who represent their clients and, and their role in influencing their decisions. I spent 30 years in sales management. Lots of that has been in building materials. During that time, I've met a, mod, a lot of good salespeople, but not many great ones who have been able to change the industry. Ken Powell has. Ken Powell is the national sales manager for a timber wholesale company. During his career, he's worked for a range of organisations, including his own. His commitment to his customers and industry is outstanding and enabled him to move the needle of norm. He has led teams that have chased big companies down and now runs one determined to push the whole, out, the whole industry forward. Welcome, Ken. Thanks, Charlie. Good to see you again. You too, mate. You too. So... To start out with today, and, and thanks in advance for uh, for the conversation. I'm sure it's going to be uh, a good one for all of the listeners out there. We've had a lot of good ones over the years, and I guess uh, what I wanted to do was was to share share some of that uh, in terms of wisdom in that um, that we might um, be able to help people in what they should be doing or looking at doing um, to uh, to be good business developers. So to start out with, can I can I ask you why you chose to do a career in sales, or or, or perhaps do you think it chose you? Um, well, first, um, Charlie, thanks for having me on your podcast as well. Um, I was flattered when you um, rung and asked. I wasn't quite sure what I'd be able to offer, but I'll I'll do the best that I can. Um, look, it 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 definitely chose me. Um, my, uh, I think when I was uh, 18 years old and I was, um, uh, I guess it must have been about February, um, obviously 
after um, Christmas and um, or maybe before Christmas you're waiting for those um, results to come back from high school. And I, I don't know why I was kidding myself, but um, when I received my less than average marks, um, I, um, I was flicking through the paper um, seeing what other courses I might be able to jag myself into in university and nothing was really jumping out at me, um, nor was I jumping out at them. And um, I, I think the reality hit me that it was time to go to work. And I was never afraid of work. I, I guess amongst that childhood group of peers where you learn that all of your friends are either doing accounting or computer engineering or tourism or, or whatever it may be, that, that um, that wouldn't be a path I'd be going down. And I had a couple of older friends who were already in their university experience and, and they were all having a an amazing time. And um, I'd already spent a, a stint away from home um, through, uh, I guess, a, a challenging family environment. Um, and effectively, Dad passed me the employment section and said, you better start looking. Um, so I um, I just uh, did some interviews through, it, it, it didn't have to be hardware or timber. It was, I remember going for interviews at, um, I think they were called Foot Locker at the time and um, a, 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 a clothing, uh, a sports clothing distribution uh, company and um, I was probably trying to keep close to sport. No, I guess that was part of my downfall through um, where my results got me out of year 12 is that the um, the, the the sporting and um, socialising finally bit me on the arse um, because there wasn't the application to a study environment that 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 at home or or, or family mentoring at home that that pushed me really hard enough to study. No one's fault, only my own fault. Um, but it just wasn't. It just wasn't there. Um, and um, I got a couple of interviews through some hardware chains, and I, I spent some time at a at a uh, a, a door and fit out company. Um, that was um, that was a, a an interesting time. I I was effectively just working on the floor, stacking doors and lead and and architrave, and um, I think the Average hours for someone who worked at that company was 60 hours a week. Um, you had to work um, Saturdays. I think you had to work every second Sunday. Um, I think there are even times where um, my father was really questioning um, what type of organisation this was that I was working for because it certainly was a an environment that was very hard. However, the upside to that was the amount I learnt in that environment. Um, there was some great camaraderie um, between some of the younger staff who were just simply trying to um, navigate their way through the environment. It was a tough environment. Um, I think I was there for nine months. I watched, I started to tally with one of the other staff members there. We watched 52 staff members come and go. Um, but we just bounded together and... Um, I think you know what the next step was. I, um, I I continued to look at the paper and I found this job that didn't involve sad days um, and I, I went for an interview with yourself. Um, and I think um, 
that time at Big River Timbers, if if I didn't fall under the um, environment of um, yourself and a couple other people at um, in those early days at Wetherill Park, that's probably where I really fell in love with timber industry. Um, and that was that was a you know a, a heavy plywood business and an Oregon business and. Um, but I really believed that without going there, I would have ended up somewhere else. Um, I definitely would have been lost to the industry. Um, I probably would have ended up in some form of um, uh, some form of sales. But I would have. I don't think I would have chased anything through the timber industry because, to me, at the time in the early nineties, it really didn't look like it was exciting. It didn't look like that there was much of a career path. Um, but when you when when you when I found myself in a good family-run independent business, um, that's when it changed for me. Um, so yeah, that's that's I, I really did land there. To be honest, um, uh, I don't think um, you know from there. If, if if you want me to talk any more about the career after that, um, I spent two and a half years in the Big River. Big River organisation. I was extremely nervous to leave um, because I, I did I did love the place and I, I loved what I was doing. Um, but another really interesting opportunity came up um, in another tier in the industry, which was the wholesale industry. Um, and Big River were a little bit a little bit different to that. But there was just an opportunity with a with, with another fella and I, I took a role in a, a small organisation called Structorland. And um, uh, that was a business um, in the early, early years of um, doing engineered wood products um, in Australia. Um, it, it was a two-man operation. Um, we shared our roles on the phones and on the forklifts. Um, and um, uh, that became a that became a, a business that grew nicely in the first two years. The fellow who took me in there believed that the the company had sort of reached its potential and and handed his resignation to the to the owner at the time, which was a gentleman by the name of David Cook, who later on became who was in my um, was in my bridal party when I got married. Um, David's 20 years older than me. And um, uh, when um, the fellow who uh, resigned, Joe Dimmick, um, who was another good mentor, um, Joe recommended to David, even though I think I was 23 at the time, he said to David, why don't you just see what Kent can do with the business? Um, that was 1996 or seven. Um and um, we took that little structure land business for for a really nice ride against some big companies. Um, um, developed a, 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 an underdog culture um, and um, established relationships. I guess I guess partly our target customers were underdog customers, um, and right. um, our our our. Um, our catch call at the time was was grow your business with us or, or, or let's grow together. I'm not sure what it was. Um, it, it it was nothing pulled out of a great marketing course, um, but it was just pretty simple. And um, that business grew, and uh, over time, the um, David was 
generous enough to um, give me shareholdings in that business year on year, um, where I, I I eventually became an owner of that business and through a, a number of different um, stages in our career, David ready to um, head towards retirement and myself still fairly um, energetic at 30, um, um, we put the business up for sale and um, we were um, we were delighted that um, the Meyer family um, uh, uh, accepted our, our reach out to talking to them. And um, David Meyer came up and effectively bought the business in one foul swoop in front of some other people who were interested. Um, the business was bought and sold in six weeks and the rest is history. And Ken, what during those early times of of Structalam, I know you said that you had a, a catch cry around "Grow with us," and there was a couple of you. What do you think the the real um, game changer, if there was one, for you in your approach? Because I, I think it's an interesting approach for sure, but but the exponential growth um, had to suggest. That, that you got it right? Um, well, you need to remember that right at that point in time, um, LVL and, and iJoist in Australia was very, very new. Um, so the market was um, bursting really um, at these products that were adapted so quickly. Um, we became a very mature market in engineered wood um, faster than other countries around the world. And, and, and so what that meant was that there were so many avenues that even some of the far bigger companies um, weren't chasing because there were always new opportunities presenting themselves. Um, we, we didn't have a, an offer that was um, exceptionally um, broad, so we really had to go and pick out our customers that were, were um, we had to tailor our need to a certain market um, because we had a small site. Um, uh, so we, we targeted heavily the frame and trust market and effectively trust plants um, um, were family-run businesses um, and um, uh, we, we went into their businesses and effectively asked them what their problems were. And um, um, we helped them redesign different parts of their components that they use in their frames and trusses. Um, we started to, to deliver material direct to site for them, um, which was a fairly simple idea, really, but it was a bit of a game changer because no one did it. Um, and we were told that we were mad for doing it. Um, and um, that, that, that was no insult. We knew we were mad anyway. So um, we... <laughs> We just found that um, every time we we put a new service model on the table, um, to a degree, our, cust- our our competitors reluctantly followed us. Um, um, and look, you know, there's there's some competitive competitors of ours today and then who are very established, very successful businesses, and um, but we just found that if we didn't evolve what our offer was very quickly our competitors would catch us and match us. Um, so we we continued to 
um, to add to the service model and the range of products specific to frame and truss, um, specific um, with being delivered to site. Um, and, and we explored um, many different grades of LVL that we could talk to um, suppliers about, mm. other things that they'd like to make. So find out what the headaches were in our suppliers' business and see if we could match them um, up to some headaches that were in our customers' business. Yeah, right. It's interesting because I think that um, I'm interested if you guys had a, a kind of strategic plan. In some of the businesses that I've been in in my career, ones that have grown the fastest have ones have been ones that haven't um, been really rigorous around um, having a budget to meet because they found them self-limiting. How does that sort of fit into the early days of Structland? I guess you were just trying to get any sort of uh, revenue you could uh, wherever you could get it, specifically when you worked it out uh, within the frame and trust part of the industry. Um, well, look, we, we we didn't have a sales budget um, in those early days. Um, I think we always said it'd be nice to sell a million bucks a month. Um, so that was something that um, we we just hung up there as a, um, a target. And um, um, our, our sales figures were one sales figure. So it was never broken up amongst um, uh, two or three of us who were selling. We had one sales figure. Um, uh, you know, 24 years through that organisation, there's another, you know, I employed I employed some pretty good people along the way. Um, so um, I employed a school friend um, who um, I think he had three years into his accounting degree um, and, and to this day has never finished it. Um, but Todd came along to effectively um, clean up all of the poor bookkeeping that I was doing. Um, I mean, it was ridiculous that I was actually doing it. Um, and I remember when he walked in on day one and I showed him about 57 manila folders on the ground and um, he just looked at me and, and effectively said, you're kidding me. <laughs> um, so Todd, Todd um, came in and, and really helped, helped on, the, on the P&L, on the balance sheet and the... And, and, and the um, organising of all the back end, but Todd actually became quite a hungry salesperson. So um, effectively we created the time for Todd to go on the road and do sales as well. And, and to this day, even in the Maya Timber organisation where he has um, a role within the um, back end of the business, first and foremost, he's a salesman. Um, and um, he's actually one of Maya Timber's best salesmen. <laughs> Um, so, um, so yeah, uh, back to your question. Um, no, we didn't have a sales budget. Um, we just, um, constantly had a, a point where we thought, um, break even would happen and, and economy of scale would help, um, on the bottom line month in, month out. And we ran that business on the scent of an oily rag. Um, and that was, Hard. We were debtor financing. Um, we 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 honestly believe there was once we were up to our eyeballs in debtor financing that we probably could never get out of it. 
Um, but the exponential growth happened with the introduction of the Meyer family and, and, and to Dave Meyer's wisdom um, to look at this business that was full of energy and full of ideas but pretty empty in the fuel tank on cash flow, David came along and, and, and injected um, the, um, the, the, the cash that the business needed the culture fit between the Maya Timber Melbourne business and the Maya Timber Sydney business is, I think, unheard of to have these two groups of people who had never met each other before instantly agree and philosophise about business together on the same level. Um, even our wives to, the, to this day talk about what that first dinner was like to sit down with our partners I don't know if our wives were happy or bloody frustrated that we all got along so well. Well, it gives them an excuse, mate, and, and I don't even need it really, but uh, let's, not, let's not go there in this podcast. We, we certainly hit a point where we had exhausted the ability to grow fast. Yeah. Um, we, had hit a, we had hit a really hard cash point in our business um, where... Um, and I think that that's what took us to the sale. Um, there were some other things going on for David Cook that um, that um, certainly were making things difficult. But we were so close. We were so close to that point of having to reach out to people. As a matter of fact, we already kind of had um, that. We were a little bit insulted with a couple of the offers we were given a few years earlier. So. Mm. Um, David Meyer certainly knew how to come along and, and buy that business. Can, can we go across to just to your career in sales and, and, and what is it you, you, you really like about it? Um, well, again, I, I think it's the environment of, of connecting with people, um, whether that be your colleagues, um, Look, if you're in sales, typically you're in a sales team. Um, I loved team environments growing up, um, watching the success of others. Um, I enjoy watching the success of others, even if it means um, even if it means I need to wait. Um, maybe I'll be next in line, or maybe I'll be next next in line. Seeing someone else succeed was always really enjoyable for myself. Um, uh, I had experienced failures. Um, so, so, so not not getting the tick of approval at times didn't worry me. I, I remember, I remember um, trying out for um, AFL teams and um, athletic teams and and volleyball teams, and at, at times where I believed I was ready to be picked for the next level and wasn't, um, only to then come back the next year and make sure I was picked. So. I, I like that whole team um, environment. There's nothing better than um, winning with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I like I like the part when you you know you, you you've started building a relationship with a customer beyond the a you know the a b's and c's of business beyond the invoice when um, you know on on maybe the fifth or sixth sixth visit to the client you're um all of a sudden they've given you a nickname um all of a sudden they've asked you if you want to have a beer after work i think 
even a breakfast meeting with a customer is a sign that they're becoming really comfortable with you. Um, mm. That's the part I enjoy because all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're possibly bringing your price list out later on. You're actually just sitting there talking to them about their business. And I think one of the things I really like um, about sales is when is when a, a customer is actually prepared to prepared to share their problems with you, which isn't necessarily about the cost of the product. Um, I, I like talking to companies about the structure of their business, the number of heads they have in their business, what's the proportion of people that they've got placed in different parts of the business and how that may compare to others. Um, I like hearing about their um, about their HR issues. I like I like sharing HR issues, um, and I like I like talking people through it where we may have had some success and where we've certainly had some failures. If we can share that with a customer, um, eventually you'll get talking to them about selling them some product. Yeah, um, I, I love that. Um, I love that. The, the, the phrase that you use beyond the invoice. In fact, that's what I'm going to name this podcast because it's absolutely beautiful. Look, I think um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a vast number of suppliers, good suppliers, um, that even our very best customers could choose to buy wood from. If we're not offering something else beyond an invoice that gets emailed to them, um, then we're hugely exposed to lose business. Mm. Definitely, definitely. I like the. Um, it, it's it's kind of like mate that you've you've come quite the circle from from the entrepreneurial, uh, full of adrenaline twenty, early twenty year old, um, and then to uh, to where where there wasn't a lot of structure. Uh, but you've you, you got yourself into a situation um, where you were able to be bought out with the Meyer family, and, and hats off for David Meyer's insight there as much as anything else. But then to to get the the cash flow, but also the structure that his bigger business provided, the platform for you to take yourself as a group of people to the next level. Yeah. Um... David and um, and and I, sh- I I should be kicking myself in the bum for not mentioning David's mum Marilyn. Um, David's um and it uh, comes from a high level of intelligence um, and um but he also knows he also knows where he's um I guess where some where some of his strengths are not, which would probably be sales. Um, but um, you know, boy, does he love the team environment as well. But there's there's something terribly, you know, terribly warming about these guys. D- David's um, David's not a salesman. Um, David's a, um, a, a, a hell of a, a friendly guy, a caring guy, um, and, a, and a loving fella. Um, but sometimes I, I believed um, when we'd be organising some bigger meetings in. Um, for the Sydney business, um, you know, um, how will David go with this customer of mine that I've known for 20 years that he's never met? Um, because David's not like me and he's not like you. 
David's David. And um, and so many times I, I thought that maybe a dinner or a meeting or a lunch had gone reasonably well. I'd received phone calls from these customers the next day saying, um, how good is that bloke? Um, gee, haven't you done well to end up, you know, where we've ended up as the Sydney business? Um, so, yeah, there's there's something, um, you know, the, the, the Meyer family, I, I remember David saying to me, they don't... Um, they don't. They don't need the timber business, but it's where all their friends work. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so, so without the timber business, where are they? What are they going to do? Um, yeah. And um, and we just we just we just love whatever the next challenge is. I, I think um, you know you said it uh, ten or fifteen minutes ago. You were smart enough to. Uh, to employ good people, you mentioned Todd, and I know there's a couple of other guys on your team. Certainly. Wags and Dave and, and a plethora of others. And I, I think David's nailed that bit as well as getting good people like yourself around him and keeping you motivated in the business. So that's uh, employing good people and, uh, and, 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 the, and the alignment of culture, that doesn't just happen either. There's no, there's no magic there. Yeah, there's, there's some luck, but, but in life, as you and I both know, you make your own luck, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, look, I remember, I think you once said to me and then a collection of other people once said to me, um, we'd be in conversations about where the business had been and where it was going and what the successes were and um, um, people would say, geez, you've done well. And I'd say, God, I've been lucky. And I reckon there must be five or six people who I consider to be mentors in my career who have said always said no way mate you know you've you've made your own luck and when I look back at sort of what we we, you know we were were pretty um uh resilient um as a as a smaller business where um you know working Saturday mornings to create extra capacity was um was fun um, because effectively Todd and myself would go and do that before we'd go and play cricket. We'd pack the whites in the car, um, go to Structolam, start at about 6.30, produce all of Monday's orders so we could do more orders on Monday, and then we'd jump in the car and go to cricket. I mean, that was our sad day for three or four years. I, I remember meeting um, my partner um, who used to say to me, um, why do you do that? And I go, well, that's how we do our sad days. And do you get paid for Saturday mornings? I go, no, I never asked to be paid for Saturday mornings. <laughs> we just do it so we can sell more wood the next week. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. And if we do that, we might earn more money. Yeah. What? On that, mate, and I know that's a few years ago now, and I know that, um, you know, I'm a big believer in luck, and I know that you've worked very, very hard. If you If you talk to anyone that's been lucky in their life, um, they'll never say, they'll never tell you how hard they worked, you know. No, no, that's right. That's a, there's a lot of humility in that. But how, how do you think the industry has changed over the years? And and, and do you think um, there's a couple of, um, God forbid, younger Kent Powell's out there that are that are trying to, to stick their nose up or head up? And, um, yeah, what advice would you give to them, I guess? 
look, it's different. I think it is a little bit different now to what it was um, then in the sense that um, there will always be opportunities, but it is a matured market. Um, It is an educated market around around, um, timber wholesale. Um, I I guess advice would be... um, Oh, look. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, uh, look, I I think it would be, you know, you need to judge if you're in the right organisation that's going to let you... Let let you develop every part of you that you want to develop. Um, there will be some companies that unknowingly, unintentionally, um, those opportunities just won't be there. Yeah. Um, but they could be great learning grounds. Um, and, and keep your eye out for, I guess, um, senior people, um, managers, owners, um, industry people who you believe to be people um, who are honest and trustworthy and and can share advice. I, um, you know, we're in a a time now where the market's probably about to become pretty brutal. Um, Not yet, um, but but soon. Um, And that's something that's unavoidable. So we've had it before with... um, uh, in the early 90s, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie, but it was close enough to a recession. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we had post-Olympics. We had post-GST. Those markets were hard. Um, and um, I've even just tried to keep in contact with some people who, um, some younger people who I've um, so, recently interviewed and not taken a job with my timber and um i don't have it i've filled those positions and i don't have a job um for that person anymore but i think i think that person can be great for the industry so i i sent them an email just yesterday saying um how are you going um uh, i suspect the industry is going to take some pretty hard hits in the next six months and let's face it unemployment is um, going up at a rate of knots. Businesses are having to make tough decisions. My Timber's made some tough decisions in the last six weeks. Um, people are going to have to staff their businesses accordingly. And I'm I'm fearful that this person um, may be a, a bit of a victim um, in those circumstances and, and, and we may lose that person to industry. So I basically just said, look, I don't have a position for you but I reckon I could reach out to enough people who could give you a position. And that might even be someone who's a competitor of ours. But we can't afford to lose this person. Um, so um, I, think, um, I, think, I think Timber Wholesale um, has more career paths in front of it um, and, and, and at merchant level um, and sawmill level. It has more career paths in front of us um, than what we thought we had. We've realised it in the Maya timber business um, seven or eight years ago. If you had told me, is there a is there a position at Maya timber for um, stock analytics, um, IT, um, software writing, engineering, 
um, I probably would have sat back and said, look, if, you, if you're going to build a career at Maya Timber, it'll be in sales or nothing else. Well, that's very different um, now. There's some great career paths, but you're probably going to have to be um, fairly grounded um, and, um, and, and you're going to have to be able to um, uh, make sure that you're, you're a great people person. It is a people industry. Um, so they're the, they're the challenges. Um, um, yeah, I, I hope I've answered that question reasonably well. I can't remember what I asked, but that's okay. Cause well, I think it was how's it, and what advice would I give? That's right. The younger people. Um, so, so I mean, the, the other saying we've got at my timber is you'll only ever get out what you put in. Yeah, I think that's um, a- I, 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 We've had the challenge of um, trying to recruit the next round, the next generation, because there is a whole group of us at my timber between the age of 45 and 55. Um, and... Um, we, you know, we've had some failings. We've had some failings there, not intentional. Um, but what I know is that, that, that there is no playbook um, in in timber wholesale, particularly at my timber. There's hard work, and hard work gets noticed. Opportunities happen, but without the hard work first, um, it, 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 my belief is it won't come. Yeah, I think um, I was talking to another group the other day and I, 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 I think that we are hard on ourselves in Australian culture about the word failure. A, a friend of mine says, I'm either winning or I'm learning. And uh, as long as you're learning from the mistakes that you make and don't repeat them, um, then I think getting it wrong every now and then is part of life. Mahatma Gandhi says... Knowledge gained from experience is far more useful than any gained out of a book. Mm. And, um, and I guess I, I wrote down early on in this conversation that I'm glad that you didn't get your education in the way of your learning um, by, by perhaps making the mistake of going to university, you know. Right. Um, can I just ask you, Ken, now that, I, now that you're the National Sales and Marketing Manager, how difficult is it to get others to focus on the right things and get the job done when you're fairly highly motivated yourself, you're experienced and successful? How 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 challenging is it for you to to get people to focus on the right things? Because the world that you came up and through is different to the world now, and you're you're no longer uh, a very small organisation that can go and uh, just count one sale, one sales number at the end of the month. You've got it's got to be broken down by by product, mm. by head, uh, because size does that to business. Yeah. So how how challenging is that for you? Well, I think for myself personally, it it can be difficult um, because you get caught up in so many different things in an organisation like my timber. Um, and there's a whole bunch of customers um, um, who know that um, I once sat on a forklift um, and I once helped them out with um, whatever sale it may be. So there's, there's always some people who are reaching for you, which is great and it's flattering and um, you can never, um, I mean, I, I hear a phone ring three times at my timber, I pick it up. 
Um, now, that's something that David Meyer would probably like me to stop doing. Um, but so that that can be difficult when you become unfocused um, on, um, you know, keeping your eye on the prize, you know, the big picture and um, the, there's other people who perhaps need me to help them. Um, we've got staff of well over 150 people, Charlie, so... Um, it's um, there's a group of people there in our sales force and our internal customer service that need some clear direction. Um, I think what we need to do with our sales team is be really, really clear around what our short and long-term goals are um, and make sure everybody um, has some great awareness around this. I mean, during this um, pandemic that we're in now, um, we've created our Friday meetings on Zoom um, nationally uh, or teams, I think it's on now. Um, and um, I, I somewhat think that the sale, national sales team might be a little bit more connected now than what we were before um, we were put into, you know, this form of isol- isolation. So um, I think it's really important that they know what the short and what the long-term goals are. Um, I think I think it's really important that they understand what, the Maya Timber brand is, not what our brands are, but what our brand is. Um, that's something that um, what is the Maya Timber feeling if you're dealing with us? And, and, and a feeling is a brand. A brand is a feeling. Um, um, uh, our products are brands, but our company is a brand. Um, I, I believe that we have a, you know, we've developed a bunch of customers that are somewhat of a cult following because of the way we engage them. I think our competitors have the same. Um, we've got really senior established people at Maya Timber. Um, that's one of the things that I think is, is a part of our brand, but that, you know, for myself to be directing some of these guys um, who have been with the company 30 years plus, um, that's not for me to direct them. That's great for me to go and talk to them about, um, you know, I've got great outlet outlets and learnings I can get from other people in the business and we, have, we value each other's opinion um, equally. So, um, but, but certainly we've got some great tools in the business in, in um, sales reporting um, that um, some of us have been slow on the uptake to use, myself guilty, um, but I've become a... Um, a very quick learner in the last six months of our sales tool that's called Focus, um, and 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 the information that I can pull before a meeting, um, uh, uh, or before you know whether that be with a customer or a, or a staff member, or whether I'm about to talk to David Meyer, and um, so so I think that's that's been a really good tool for me to to help. Um, um, it's a difficult role because it's also a role that's relatively new to the business. Um, so we're, we're asking people to um, understand that at a national level we're trying to um, we're trying to give some clarity around what we want the sales staff doing and, and that's a hard gig. That's a hard gig because you're looking in front of you but you're also looking behind you on on other work that's already in play up here in New South Wales. So, I mean, I'd love to say that it's a job that we've absolutely um, 
um, implemented and done well, but it's a work in progress. Um, and fortunately, um, you know, as I said, there's that senior bunch of staff who, um, uh, you know, certainly aren't, um, will only want to help me with that. Um, and um, so that's the challenge for my timber is to stay stay grounded that that there's some there's some structure that does need to be in play. Definitely. Yeah. So so when you're looking to recruit a salesperson for my timber, what are the things that you look for? Um. We. Uh, David and um, his brother Stephen, um, our CFO Monty, um, we're all strong believers in in uh, promoting within. So typically, a, a future salesman for my timber will start um, in customer service, maybe even dispatch. Um, but um, we have had to recruit established salespeople before. Um, not so much in Melbourne, but in Sydney, because of our rapid growth, we have needed people at a level who can come in and do that work. Um, you can't throw um, the lamb to the lions at times. Um, and, and we've done some of those uh, employments a little bit rushed. Um, Typically what we do with any role that's going to have customer interface at Maya Timber is we will do a form of testing, a form of Maya Timber testing mm-hmm. um, that's been developed for us by a company called GCR3. Um, and it's um, it's effectively a, a, a bit of skill and a bit of personality, but what it, what it really comes down to is what are the Maya Timber values and how does this person's values align with our values? Um, and to rattle them off, I, I don't know if I'll grab them all, but it's it's got a lot to do with um, uh, concern for others is a big one. Um, uh, the ability to work under, I don't know if the word's pressure or stress, it's a stress tolerance type of test. Yeah. Um, it's got um, uh, it's got to do with social desirability, um, which um, you need to be careful of. Um, and there's a couple others, but effectively, what we did is we formed the test on the people we've already got. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so that we thought at least um, uh, will 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 create us created a baseline. Um, Unfortunately, um, some of the very, very best people at Maya Timber, some of our very, very best salespeople, if we ever had to do the test today, none of us would get a job at Maya Timber. <laughs> I don't think I don't think your organisation is uh, is uh, on. Uh, I don't think you're Robinson Crusoe there, mate. I think that. I think um, but yeah, look, you you do need to have you do look. I think. Um, I, I thought about. I thought you might ask this question generally about anyone we employ, um, sales, factory, admin. Um, look, I, I think one of the one of the mistakes you can make, um, and and I've been guilty of it um, through the I guess through the middle of my career was, um, don't take employment lightly. 
Um, don't do it for the sake of needing something quickly. Um, wait for that right person because um, the wrong can the wrong can cripple you. Um, uh, you know, the, it it only takes um, you know three people or a culture. Yeah. Right. Um, and um, and and you need you need the scales of your people to weigh in the right direction. Otherwise, you you simply become overrun. You think you know what's going on, but you actually don't. Um, so you know, to get a job in the factory at Maya Timber today, um, it, it, it's a three to four week process, um, yeah. and it's a cost to the company of about three and a half thousand dollars. Um, but um, we 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 scale that cost by the amount of time that we keep them, and that number becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, I, I was I was on the fence on recruitment, and I was on the fence of on recruitment companies. Um, like every industry, I'm sure there's good and there's bad, but um, I, I have had. Um, stand-up challenges with our recruitment company, um, GCR3, moments of madness that we would both um, agree that we have challenged each other, um, but we've stuck with them because they have known what we've wanted. Um, we have had an open relationship of um, being honest with each other, telling each other when we think we're wrong, um, and then and then moving on with the job the next day. Recruitment... Um, Advice on recruitment is, is if you think you've got, um, you know, tr try to stick with the one recruitment company. They will get to know your business better and better and better. Um, and, and if you can do that, they will improve the, the success of the candidates they put into your business. Um, and I think, look, I, I think a big part of it is, is also the onboarding of any new staff member. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe even more, maybe even more so in the warehouse. Um, it, it's an environment that you come into that's a fast-paced, um, let's get the work done um, uh, environment. So it, it can be you can be judged um, you can be judged really quickly um, in the Maya Timber environment. But that's a positive thing. That's a good thing. You can be, you you can be a superstar in six days at Maya Timber. Um, but you can be you, you can um, you can be getting taps on the door from the warehouse if if we think we've got the wrong wrong person as well. Yeah, that's always. Uh, Steve Meyer says um, again. It's not a profound saying. I don't think it will ever become famous. But Steve Meyer once said to me, um, you know, people who don't work out at Meyer Timber. Um, or any organisation, um, they're not um, they're not bad people. Um, but Steve Meyer's saying is my timber ain't for everybody. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 quite profound, really. And 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 part of it, I think, is knowing um, who you are and what you are, what you've got to offer, mm. and then just trying to work out how people. Um, can fit into that culture because you get the wrong person and you'll pay um, much, much more than three and a half thousand dollars. Absolutely no doubt, doubt about it. Mate, is there anything else? A, a, a couple of things that I've really enjoyed out of our discussion is is um, 
is certainly that is that you're better off to hire slowly and fire quickly than the other way around, despite the fact that most businesses do it the other way around. And then, then earlier on, you mentioned the word resilience, and I, I certainly see that in uh, in yourself and, and the organisation that you now represent, and uh, and your ability to solve customer and supplier problems, not just not just work out how you can sell, but but by by serving both above and below you. Hmm. Is there anything else you you'd like to to share today? Some things that. Um, no, I know. I know you can probably read me fairly well, but is there something that that you want to say and you want to share to to? Are you regarding to the solving of the problems? No, I don't. I don't, I don't mind. No, 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 I have no fixed um, idea on what you should say, mate. I, I'm not going to construct um, your dialogue. You've you've uh, you've done you've done really really well since I got out of your way all those years ago, and uh, I'm now behind you, blowing uh, blowing. When did your sales? I like to think, mate. Yeah, look, I think um, I, I actually I'm talking about um, some of the um, younger people and and what does it take to carve out a career. Um, I think um, I think one of the things I've I've come up with very recently is the question needs to be asked. Um, what does what does sacrifice look like for you? Yeah, right, great one. Because um, there needs to be some sacrifice for some advancement, and you are you are in a race, like it or not. You're in a race against everybody else out there who wants more from their career, and um, the sacrifice part is different for everybody. What what you might think is a big sacrifice, um, others may think is um, not such a big sacrifice and that they would pre- be prepared to go further. And, um, and I, you know, I- independent family businesses, um, they, they, like, they like to see sacrifice um, because it's a sign of what they've got. Um, and then the rewards will come. Um, so that's part. That's part of when you asked me before. I, I I quickly thought about, but I I think I babbled on to something else. And um, we try to be as straight as possible with the young people as we can because we have resigned to the fact, or the light bulb moment came to us that we don't have we don't have the pathway booklet for Maya Timber. Um, we've just got the hard work um, element to my timber, and we probably need to get a little bit better around what the pathway looks like. But um, but um, I don't think any company's got the book that they hand their new employees to say this is how you'll be general manager one day. Yeah, and um, the ones that have got the book have probably never opened it, mate. So I I, I completely agree. Thanks very much for your time today, Ken. I really appreciate it. And good on you and, and all the best to to you and the team at My Timber in the next few months and years ahead with uh, yeah. with all the challenges and, and all the sacrifices that you've made. Cheers, mate. Charlie, thanks for having me, mate. Oh, it was delightful. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the show. 
If you did, be sure to subscribe in your podcaster so you don't miss a future episode. And whilst you're there, I'd really appreciate if you could take the time to rate and review the podcast. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Charlie.